Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Mercedes. In this podcast, we will be sharing with you some of the most exciting stories from within the automotive industry. We will, of course, be talking about the Mercedes-Benz brand and its cars, but we also look forward to meeting external experts for a very personal deep dive into the world of mobility. My name is Yasmin Blair, and this is Let's Talk Mercedes. Thanks for tuning in. All right, dear listeners, now before we dive into today's episode, let me just share some thoughts that crossed my mind right after the recording with our two guests, Chris Fru and Raziz Rahan. I must admit that this creative clash, so to speak, of the C-Class chief engineer himself and the nerdy host of the successful YouTube channel, Remove Before Race, was an eye-opener for me personally. The more I prepared for this episode's topic of making a new C-Class, the more I realized that when it comes to the C-Class, people get emotional, they start debating, they advocate different perspectives, but they also share deep passion for the automotive past, present, and future. Now, having this thought in mind, I love Chris's allegory during the episode that creating an outstanding car is like leading a sports team. You encourage your team, train them, give them room to perform and compete with others. And if you do it right, an aspiring newcomer team can become a perennial champion. So here we go, everyone. Have fun with our brand new episode. Let me start out by giving you just a very short introduction. My guests today are Christian Fru, Chief Engineer C-Class at Mercedes-Benz Technology. And I get to call you Chris. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jasmine. Hi there. And also, I would like to welcome Raziz Rahan, Chief Executive Officer at the YouTube car show Remove Before Race, which I'm quite sure most of you have already heard of. So welcome, Raz. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Jasmine. Real pleasure to be here. It is such a pleasure to have the both of you. So thank you once again for being my guests today. And that was a very brief introduction. And what we have established here at Let's Talk Mercedes is the following. We like to ask our guests at the beginning of each episode to imagine a child would approach you on the street and you only had one sentence to describe what your job is all about. So how would you do that? What would you say? Shoot, Chris. If a child would approach me, um, I'd say I'm creating a special kind of cars. They're called Mercedes-Benz cars. They are very safe, very comfortable. Thank you, Chris. So, Raz, what do you tell the small child? What is it that you do exactly? <laughs> well, I think I'm still quite on the mental level of a child. So I would probably <laughs> say to them, if, if you love superheroes, I use all of your favorite superheroes' powers to make cars interesting on TV. All right. Okay, so we're going to hear more about that as well in just a minute. But why don't you two tell me what your first touch points with the automotive world were? When did the love start flowing, Chris? In my generation, uh, when I grew up, I was born in 1960. Every child had little model cars uh, playing around, at least the boys. And we visited every auto show with my dad or my parents in Frankfurt whenever it took place. So growing up, of course, then it changes your interests. And so I was going 
and heading to be an aeronautical engineer because I was more fascinated from airplanes than I was from cars when I was 20. Uh, but I still loved cars. So I aimed to join Daimler in 1990 uh, because Daimler owned the whole aeronautical industry. So I tried to become part of this, uh, but it didn't happen. It didn't work out. The industry in this time was really going down. And so I happened to join the car, engine and transport research team of Daimler at this time, mid of the 19th. And I think that was the moment and in time when I found my inner calling to create cars and to create especially cars that haven't been here before, that make a difference, that are something new. And that's how quick 30 years can go. And you know what they say, Chris, time flies when you're having fun. That's right. Which is, yes. of course, a funny saying <laughs> since aerospace brought you to Daimler and your path then led to, uh, to Mercedes-Benz and the automobile industry. A very, very interesting path. By the way, thank you for that, Chris. And Raz, I did see an interview where you explained that you actually used to work in the accounting firm your father worked in or at your father's company. Did I get that one right? And then That's landed right. yep. where you are today. So where <laughs> did your or when did your love start flowing? Well, the love for cars came a lot earlier than that, a lot earlier. The oldest memory that we have as a family on film with anything to do with me and cars was, I think I was about three or four years old and we were leaving uh, my uh, house back then. And my mum was kind of dragging me across the road because I was screaming at her, I don't want to go in the charade, I want to go in the Mercedes. <laughs> so that's, that was one of the earliest memories I had. And it, it was really, it, it stemmed all from uh, a love of cars that both my grandfather and my father had that was kind of then instilled into me. And my mother, to be fair, my mother was a huge, huge fan of Mercedes-Benz. And just seeing them take care of their cars, it was the small things, I think, that drew me to the passion. <laughs> so I was, I was like a car nut from a very young age, but it was always Mercedes. We were very, very Mercedes biased in my house. Still are. I mean, I'm, I'm quite open-minded because I have to be in my, in my profession now. So the first opportunity I got to dive into an industry that had anything to do with vehicles, I took it. Okay, so love at a very young age already. Thank you, gentlemen, for sharing with us your paths to Mercedes-Benz. Now, since we've already heard and learned that you have two very different jobs, we've heard two very different job descriptions already. As chief engineer, Chris, you spend years creating this one new car. Then along comes this very influential YouTuber. And I don't mean you, Raz. I just mean it could be anyone that could either destroy or absolutely hype the creation that you've worked on for such a long time, Chris, all of your sweat and your blood in just a few minutes' time. How does that feel to you? Luckily, I didn't have the experience of having someone who destroyed uh, ever in a feedback one of my C-classes. Generally, I must say the people I met or I meet who talk about these cars and who do that professionally, they generally have a huge experience in, in doing that. And they see, they talk about what they like and what they don't like. In contrary, for me, it's always been a gain. 
almost every time to understand different people's view on the car I developed and the arguments for what is good, what is a dislike. And it gives you ideas to improve. So I, I don't really have a problem with that as long as it's uh, something that is arguable, that it's differentiated and that you can discuss about it. Thank you, Chris. I think it's lovely to hear that you do have a lot of respect for uh, for YouTubers, for influencers. And it, when you speak of them, it sounds like you consider them colleagues. Would that be going too far? In a way, they are. When you grow something, you must also be in a position to assess it and to look at if not with parents' eyes, but with critic eyes. The problem is... I then have the job to improve, to make it better and, and to do something with it. And Raz's job is done once he has made his assessment. So the time span is somewhat different, of course. Yeah. Raz, are you aware of this power? I'm sure you are. Do you sometimes reflect on that power? Let's put it that way. Um, definitely. It's, it's, it's a weight of responsibility as well. And it's something that While I think I'm quite respectful to the process that someone like Chris goes through, and I'm exceedingly aware of the time and effort that uh, engineers and designers and everyone, I mean, there's so much that goes into the modern car that I think a lot of customers don't realize, especially today in terms of getting things approved for emissions and all kinds of hurdles that you guys have to go through. Um, that I have a lot of sympathy, but for the layman, I also try to impart, because we live in the world of social media, we have so many commenters all over YouTube and Instagram, et cetera, et cetera. And you do, I do see a lot of the negativity that perhaps Chris doesn't. Um, and it's very immediate and, you know, it's people's right to comment. But I, I do try to impart the fact that you need to give something um, time you need to see it you need to feel it and just a bit of empathy for because I really feel for everyone who works on these products and I see the final things and I meet the you know the the experts you can see the passion when they're talking about just even something minuscule that they worked on um, equally my job is slightly different to perhaps other reviewers where where Chris is spending time to build a car I will deconstruct it on screen which I find quite hilarious so I'll pull apart the uh, the bonnet and the doors and show the engine show the suspension and and I'm kind of reverse engineering what he's done which I love doing so uh, <laughs> yeah you, you've got two polar opposites here which is quite interesting definitely very interesting and gentlemen again looking for for similarity right here how important is consistency when it comes to developing a successful car, successful new car, uh, or also maintaining a successful YouTube account. And in contrast, how important is disruption, taking that famous step back to see things more clearly, perhaps? Raz, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. I, I think it's very uh, key, actually, for me, because just like when Chris looks at a new series model of car, you do have to take a step back and really consider what have you done right and what are you doing wrong? And I had this touch point in my own uh, YouTube career very early on where um, it was our first ever press trip with you guys, in fact, uh, for the new C63. And it was at um, Bilsterberg uh, in July. And then we had a great video that we made, I felt at the time. And it didn't do as well as I hoped it would. It really didn't. 
And I had to take a step back then and I realized that I was actually creating content that was pretty much the same as everyone else out there. And that was the point that I actually stepped back and said, okay, look, I'm good at graphic design. I need to bring some of my own flavor into this, some of my own personality. And it was because of that famous step back that you mentioned, Jasmine, that I actually stepped back and said, right, let's try something different while keeping the quality high and see if we can't engage our audience a bit better. And famous last words, I suppose, it, you know, it was all history after that. So, Chris, on your end, when it comes to developing a new car, how do you see things? Do you need to take the step back as well? I have to do it uh, times and times again over the whole development process over years. And if you talk about consistency versus disruption, I think both is really important. And uh, engineers are people who like to reinvent things anyway, every time, every day. But uh, creating such a product like the C-Class, which really serves a broad range of customers and customer needs and usage profiles, of course, you need to make sure that all the good qualities and functions, you keep them on the side. You need to cultivate them. The customers appreciate that and they expect it to be on the next car as well. But you also want and need to move on and, and think about better ways to do it and how you do it or how you create these qualities of the car. And that's where sometimes really disruption comes in. The car may look the same, but it may function in a complete different way. And if you look at the car in C-Class, you can see that in several areas like uh, the complete electrification of the powertrains or the disruptive new MBUX uh, user interface, which has nothing to do with our old interfaces, or like the rear axle steering, which is something that uh, no other competitor has in this and at uh, this segment. And this also is actually included in a quite traditional rear wheel driven sedan concept and that shows a bit for me how the consistency meets disruption in a very good looking car i think both of us would have to agree right there raz and 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 i thank you for that interesting opening to both of you and now i would like to move along to take an even closer look at the c-class in particular and raz i would like to know when you first heard that there was a new C-Class to be released, what were your very first thoughts or hopes? Um, very high expectations uh, for C-Class because I think it's evolved over the years, as, as you said rightly at the start, from, from something that was just going to be an affordable car for the masses to uh, a car that I think uh, does all of the things that a Mercedes-Benz should in, in one of the best-sized packages. So... It's always very, very high expectations from me. Uh, I myself personally have owned, I don't know how many C-Class, I think over a dozen. Um, yeah, I've, I've wasted every bit of money I have on, on these cars. So were those expectations fulfilled, Raz? Let's have an even closer and even more detailed look. Um, you're really big on the special effects with Remove Before Race. So what do you consider the biggest special effect the new C-Class has to offer and also in particular in terms of the C-Class interior, which feature do you feel stands out most? 
For me, I think the entirety of the interior is what has really stood out for me. Um, I did comment on uh, our initial video of the car that I feel that it's actually structured and finished better than the S-Class in my opinion. Uh, there's a number of reasons for that. I think mainly the the entire front part of the dashboard, the way you have the trims flowing from left to right, um, you've got <laughs> really clever use of the brushed aluminium. The vents look fantastic. I think they're miles better than the S-Class. And I'm sorry to anyone who worked on S-Class if they're listening to this, um, but I'm very C-Class biased. Um, and, and just the way many parts of the interior look like they're floating almost. And for me, that interior really stands out to me as something that is way above class um, and, and way beyond rivals as well. And that's before you dive into anything to do with MBUX, etc., which of course is class leading. But just the actual base structure was something that was very, very pleasing to my eyes. Chris, as an engineer, in comparison to car reviewers, do you think differently in that sense? Do you think perhaps more rationally, or how important are these so-called special effects to you as an engineer? <laughs> well, first of all, I could continue listening to Raz for another 10 minutes. <laughs> and uh, I, I felt it the same way. But it was really a hard and a tough job to top the 205, which was a really good car. But if you talk about the highlights and, and the, the, the sparks of the new C-Class, as an engineer, you, you tend to see it more from a technical way. And if I look at it from that kind of perspective, I would say, of course, the plugin is one of the highlights to integrate a plugin with that kind of range with up to over 100 kilometers. That was a big challenge. And it was extremely challenged to integrate it in a way that didn't compromise too much on the usability of the car. My personal favorite would be the rear axle steer and the even more refined chassis setup. Ross mentioned the interior. The interior is already something coming from the 205 already where the C-Class sets the bench in its segment. So I agree to that, um, of course, with MBUX and I could continue for, for minutes because there's a lot of these small things that you will experience when you drive the car, starting from the sound system. The sound system really turned this car into a concert hall or a rock concert, if you want it. You can choose different wellness programs. You can get yourself a massage now in the C-Class. So we improved so many features all around this car. That's why I often say this is this car really leaves almost no wishes open, as we say. Chris, you spoke of benchmark, and I'm going to do something that every talk show host just loves to do. I'm going to quote you, Chris, on something you've said mm -hmm. in, in a recent interview. Oh um, <laughs> to sum up your personal highlights of the new C-Class, you said, and I quote, you don't really need any more car than this. And... You know, I would say that is quite the bold statement by a Mercedes-Benz chief engineer because we do also have the S-Class, we have many other classes, and there are many other models available. So did you get in trouble with anyone in any way for saying that, or was that considered a bit cocky by anyone? 
Well, <laughs> luckily not yet. <laughs> I I didn't have it in mind so much, but maybe now. Yeah, maybe will. now. But uh, <laughs> glad I brought actually, it up. <laughs> I I understand why I said it. It probably came out of the bottom of my heart and not passing the brain or something, because I I really feel like that. Being also someone who drives the C class, not only as a chief engineer of it, but also in my private world and. If you if you look at it, I wanted to express that there is really not much room for desires that cannot be fulfilled by the C-class model range. And of course, there is always some room to all sides. And especially if you include the family members, the saloon, the wagon, the all-terrain, which is coming, the GLC and, and the EMG versions that will also be there. It covers really most of customer needs. And in, in Ra's words, I've seen his YouTube video. It's the big bang for the buck. Very well put, by the way, <laughs> Raz. The big bang for the buck. But uh, nevertheless, nevertheless, we need to, to, to see or we do see that the new C-Class has adopted highlights from the S-Class. But Chris, I know you don't at all appreciate people referring to the C-Class as the little S-Class. I know that you told me this and uh, it has become very clear during this conversation once more. But would you agree to calling the C-Class the S-Class's competitive little brother, perhaps? I would rather agree to that version of it, yeah. Actually, that's something I hear very often. And, and uh, as a chief engineer of the C-Class, you just don't want to be a little something else. I would say it's a bit uh, having the same genes, but a different DNA. They are out of the same family, of course. And it's like in real families. Um, there is competition as well as common ground. The C-Class is always, let's say, the smaller brother who's always trying to challenge the bigger brother in sports and everything and try to challenge it and also leaves room for each other's personality. And I think that's the same relation between a C-class and an S-class. And also, this is something you can feel when you sit in the car, when you drive it, it feels completely different. And Raz also described the different feeling of the interior, even so there's commonality. Uh, we use the same MBUX system, we use basically the same instrument cluster panels, but still it gives you a different feeling. Thank you, Chris. And as you've already mentioned, or we have mentioned, this is the first fully electrified Mercedes-Benz model, which is one of the most exciting facts. Of course, obviously, that is becoming more and more important these days. Some companies have even made the bold decision to abandon the further development of conventional engines entirely. And Raz, you yourself are one of those people who in your videos have repeatedly underlined that the new C-Class is all about the future. And with about 100 kilometers range, it has doubled up the electric range of its predecessor. Raz, is this going to be enough to sort of woo away those e-mobility skeptics around the world? I think so. I think I think what's most impressive for me is how the packaging of this all was done because it's one thing to double range, but it's very easy to then ruin the packaging of the car. And what I mean by packaging for the layman is, you know, you could double your battery size, for example, and make the car even heavier, 
but hey, we've got double the range. But that's a, it's something that the customer eventually loses out on because they'll lose boot space and the car will feel heavier and it won't drive as well. What's really impressive for me is how Chris and his team have managed to keep the battery size down, keep the batteries in a place where it's not interfering with load and luggage space as much as the predecessor and get that range up as well. And I'm very much of the thought that um, these type of hybrid cars that match the best bits of an IC engine with the best bits of an EV are really going to take off. Chris, what is your take? Are we seeing here a game changer in urban mobility? Actually, I think um, these long-range plug-in hybrid, uh, if we want to call it like that, is something that builds a bridge between the cars we used to know and the future cars. There, They may be all-electric or maybe plug-in hybrids. And if you will have this car, the range of about 100 kilometers, depending, of course, on conditions, offer for most people who commute daily mostly below 70 kilometers and have an opportunity to charge at work or charge at home, they will have a day-to-day -day full electric driving experience. This engine will never start. And um, the advantage they have in doing that, they, they keep the emissions out of the, the, the urban areas and uh, out of their habitats where they live, but still they have no problem going on a long-range trip and people always don't have in mind that even when you have used your full electric range of 100 kilometers or so the car will still do a lot of electric driving on the way because in every phase where you're just coasting or use only very little power you will still be on electric drive so if you look at the ratio between electric driving and uh, combustion engine running, it will be probably one third to two thirds, even on a long range trip. So I think this is one of the bridging technologies that we need, especially until we ha don't have enough opportunity and access to charging and to green charging power. So I see this is the right concept for the next years. Having another quick look at design, Raz, we all know you are famously known as the notorious Mr. AMG. Let me ask you one question to satisfy you, okay? One AMG-related question. The new C-Class offers a more AMG-style design than we're used to, and we see that immediately when we check out the grill, when we check out the lights, etc. How happy are you from a Mr. EMG point of view about this change or this evolution? Oh, I love the look of it. I, I, when I first saw it, the first thing that came to my mind was, um, especially looking at the lower, the lower front bumper, the air intake area, it reminded me of the GLC 63 very much in terms of the way that the A-Wing was designed, as, as the designers like to call it. Um, just that and the general width and the, the kind of the shark nose of the front end, the way the, uh, the nose kind of points forward and then the bottom of the bumper leans back into the car. It's very, very sporting. And then obviously the lights and, and the whole thing reminds me very much of AMG GT family. So a lot of strong DNA from the sporting side of, of Mercedes coming into that, which is great. It turned out quite sexy, didn't it? Let's not beat around the bush. It's a very, very sexy automobile. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, it, 
It is a sexy looking cut. All right, now just another cold cut to have a look at the development process. If we look towards Asia, within the last five years, China has been the largest sales market for the C-Class sedan. Is that a fact that influences engineers and that they keep in mind during the development of a new car? Chris, how important is that fact to you as developers or to your developers? Well, it's very important. China has become, as you already said, our most important sedan market in the last decade, which used to be the US before. And we have learned a lot about our customers in the last generation of the cars, their special needs, their preferences, and their also different approach to cars in general. In the meanwhile, it's uh, something we have in our spec books right from the beginning, from day one. That's why, for example, the China Chinese versions, uh, among other features, has a longer wheelbase. And we give much more dedication to the rear because Chinese customers tend to sit in the rear or to transport their most important people of the family in the rear. And they have completely different expectations to the car they have a different kind of uh, approach to nvh things like we used to it and their approach of the user interface also is completely different they are used to operate things like mobile phones they have never grown up with the cars we used to know raz have you actually been noticing that that change or that development in terms of followers do you have more chinese followers today than maybe a couple years back I think there's there's definitely a shift, um, and it's quite interesting. As Chris said, there's a lot of young blood um, who are who are coming into uh, the love of cars, and and I do see it. I see more the reaction of the various manufacturers to cater for that demand now, that new demand, and it's interesting to see how it influences design decisions and and technical decisions. So. It's fascinating for us to see. Um, whenever I visited um, the factory at, at Sindelfingen, for example, you can always spot the S-classes uh, for China, and there's so many of them um, with, with their long wheelbases. So uh, it's something that we've seen grow over the years, and, and I think it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. It's nice to see a completely different geography and demographic come into it. Now, if we look towards the future once more, we're also here, of course, Raz and Chris, for a sort of, let's call it culture clash. We want direct confrontation of a YouTuber versus an engineer. So now, Raz, you get the chance to reveal all of your wishes to Chris. If you could add one single feature to the C-Class, what would be that one feature that you definitely need? And then right afterwards, I look forward to Chris's reaction. <laughs> there was only one thing that really stood out for me that I wish it had. And that was the wonderful 3D screen that the S-Class has. I want the C-Class to steal that wonderful bit of technology <laughs> for the driver's zone from the S-Class. And, and I love to see that in there because when I experience that, and, and generally I'm, I'm a very big fan of analog dials because I like, I like watches, I like the tactile feel of things. But that was the first digital screen I saw that I thought this marries some of that wonderful 3D effect of an analog um, uh, driver's zone with all the benefits that you get from digital. So that would be my request. Chris, any chances that will happen? 
3D screen in the okay, next C-Class model. I, I was expecting the V8, um, <laughs> but... <laughs> next question. <laughs> I put it on the list, Raz, okay. Yay. And, um, <laughs> let's see what happens. <laughs> All right, so we'll, we'll have to probably keep it open at this point and let's not get too greedy. Let's uh, also mm. keep in mind what we've just uh, what we've just gotten and received this year with the new C-Class fully electrified. Now... You two, to wrap this up, first of all, thank you so much. This has been very interesting. We're running out of time, so we're going to have to slowly bring it to an end. But we've already mentioned that the current situation is more than unusual. Everyone's aware of that. So now towards the end, I would like to know, Raz, a product launch during a pandemic without any personal contact, without having had the chance to test drive the vehicle itself, how does that change your personal creative process? And how would you rate the performance of the Mercedes-Benz marketing team under these circumstances? You know, they have gone digital in many ways. Um, it's been fascinating for me because I, I decided to then hang everything I had on the uniqueness of, of my channel, which is uh, using that VFX element. So if I haven't got the new C-Class and I can't access it, I'll just bring it on my driveway. And that's obviously a big advantage that I have versus anyone else. So the, the issue with that is, and it's an inherent issue, as we all know, you can't judge a car based on even the best video review or the best videos or the best images. You have to be in front of it to really give a final verdict. So from a creative and a journalistic point of view, you have to temper how uh, either happy or damning you are about certain things until you can actually physically see the car. So I, I wouldn't like to go too positive or too negative on anything until I see it in front of me in the flesh. So that, is, that has been the main change. On the other side, to answer your second question, worked with quite a few manufacturers during this time um, by a long, long way. And I've given advice to these other manufacturers that you need to copy Mercedes. You guys have absolutely smashed it out the park. Uh, best example was the C-Class where uh, I had a, a time slot given to me and I was given an entire presentation as if I was standing there, which is as normal with press trips. So it felt very welcoming. It wasn't a pre-recorded thing. It was me talking to the experts um, and, and there was some good back and forth dialogue and they showed every part of the car that I wanted to see, well, again, all through uh, uh, the video call. And then I was able to direct a camera, a cameraman to get the exact shots that I wanted in my own style. And no one else is offering that, um, to be clear. No one that I've worked with. So really, I do take my hat off to the whole team who's dealing with the changes here because of the pandemic, that you've made life so much easier for creators like me, who instead of scrambling, scrambling around trying to make a video interesting, we've actually got really good content to work with. Now... Closing, you two, I have a fun fact, and I'm sure that most of our listeners out there probably don't know this yet. Chris, you are a passionate skier, and in 1990, you almost became coach of the German freestyle ski national team. And you also told me that your job as C-Class chief engineer has some striking parallels to leading a sports team. Would you mind elaborating on what you meant by saying that? <laughs> uh, I will try at least. Here come yeah, all the secrets well, from your past. <laughs> yeah, well, I was a member of the national team. And when I finished, uh, I also happened to finish my studies and I had to decide, uh, do I uh, 
go on with my sport or with my with my degree and I I decided to do the latter one um, yeah freestyle skiing isn't an individual sport and if you train for such a individual sport at the top sport level I think the first priority is competition and and establish the ability to win the second of course is mental strength you need the mental strength in order to be able to perform under pressure concentrate and focus reflect yourself reflect your performance and go on to the next step and improve of course you need technique technique is probably the most important prerequisite and but also technique needs constant improvement and also in sports sometimes radical changes and the last but not least you need to have the courage to go higher to go faster to create new tricks, to try new tricks, uh, to exercise them, and in the end to put yourself at risk and in danger. And all of that, for me, as having been in this kind of surrounding, it almost translates naturally in the world of creating a new product. And that's why I think uh, these sports mindset is, is very, very good, applicable to car development, actually. And that is a very inspiring comparison, and that's the perfect time to bring it to an end. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Raz, for your time, you two. It was a very exciting conversation, and I'm very glad that you guys had time to join me. Those were Christian Fru from Mercedes-Benz and YouTuber Raziz Rahan, and this was all about making a new C-Class. Thank you to everyone who joined in. My name's Yasmin Blair, and I look forward to our next episode of Let's Talk Mercedes. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you. Bye, guys. <laughs>